A reading from the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, so that they might declare my praise. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse, and he used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The Gospel of the Lord. Blessed be God, the God of life and love. Amen. Well, first of all, happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, It is the custom in the church, for the most part, uh, especially in the Episcopal Church, that uh, unless it's a particularly major feast, that a Sunday celebration always takes precedence over a saint's feast day. So uh, if we were St. Patrick's Episcopal Church, we'd be having our big feast day today, but we're not. So what that means is that the observance of the fifth Sunday of Lent takes precedence over the feast of St. Patrick, which means this is the only time you'll hear about Patrick in this entire service. But I thought I should at least acknowledge Happy St. Patrick's Day. The gospel we just heard is an incredibly rich scene 
I don't know about you, but to me, it's so visual. I feel like I'm in that room. And I can see what is taking place. And I can smell that nard. Now, nard uh, was made from the root of a plant uh, that's grown in the Himalayan region of India. So part of why it's so expensive in this story is uh, it's rare and had to be transported. But I can, you can just smell the room kind of overcome with this fragrance. And we witness this anointing by Mary of Jesus. And it is very clearly a burial anointing as she anoints his feet. She anoints Jesus for his death. And we hear this story right on the last Sunday before we enter into Holy Week. And next Sunday we have Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and hear the passion narrative. Whenever I hear this story of the anointing of Jesus by Mary, it brings to mind the experiences I've had as a priest of anointing people at the time of death, of anointing someone either just before they die or just after, and saying last rites. And those have been some of the most uh, sacred, powerful and profound experiences uh, in my priesthood and in my life. And one of my practices, and I think many clergy, is when you gather with the family to invite all the family members to anoint the person who is dying or who has died and to say their uh, sort of farewells and express uh, their love. And uh, I just invite them to anoint as they wish. And it's interesting to me the number of times some family member has gone and uncovered the feet of their loved one and anointed uh, their feet. It's a very powerful thing to witness. And this story reminds me the love that you see Mary anointing Jesus with and to have witnessed family members do that very act. We see Mary ministering to Jesus out of pure love. She is entirely focused on Jesus and caring for Jesus. And in contrast, we have Judas, whose only concern is for himself. Where Mary represents love, Judas represents fear and cynicism. And the, those two characters remind me of a, a pastoral experience I had talking to uh, uh, someone who had been a member of this can, uh, congregation then moved away but uh, was dying of cancer. Uh, and I was talking to her and she was, uh, she was telling me how difficult it was for her to receive people calling on her or calling her on the phone because she said she kept having to take care of them. She kept having to deal with their fears as if her disease was contagious. She had to minister to them. 
She was processing their fear, but what she really needed was Mary. She didn't need a call from Judas. She needed a call from Mary. So if, if nothing else, that's a note to all of us. When you're talking to someone in that situation, be Mary. This juxtaposition of Mary and Judas represents a significant theme in the Gospel of John, which is one of abundance versus scarcity. Mary represents extravagant generosity. She mirrors God's love. Whereas Judas represents scarcity and the concerns of the world. Judas is offering what you might call a holy excuse. Right? He's, he's pretending that he has a higher purpose for this ointment than Mary does. But he really has an ulterior motive, which is getting more money in the common purse so that he can steal it. Abundance and scarcity. Mary and Judas. On the notion of <clears throat> abundance, I recently read about a, uh, a clergy gathering about stewardship. And the presenter got up and was talking about giving our gifts to God. And apparently the clergy were kind of starting to nod off as we are wont to do sometimes. And the presenter pulled out a $100 bill, lit it on fire, and placed it in an ashtray on the podium and said, this is offered to you, O God, and you alone. Two gasps from the gathered clergy. The presenter then said, Giving to God cannot only be measured in terms of its value to others. Sometimes we give just to give to God. And it's important sometimes for us to give without trying to control the gift. Extravagant, loving abundance. I also recently read what I would consider a Judas story. A couple weeks ago, the New York Times magazine had an article about uh, the science of creating junk food that we want to eat. And it was all about all the efforts that go into the marketing, the PR, and also the chemistry of creating food that people will crave and can't seem to stop themselves from eating. And part of the article focused on a pioneer in the field who developed what came to be known as the bliss point. The point where the combination of flavors was such that people began to crave that food and would eat far more than they needed, which was the point, to get people to overconsume the product, to effectively kind of become addicted to that product. 
The result, of course, is overconsumption, obesity, diabetes, all these public health concerns set against the marketing and creation and manufacture of food that people will crave, that will reach this bliss point. The person who wrote the article met with this scientist and was asking them about, you know, you created all this food that helps contribute to all these public health issues. And the scientist said, there was no moral issue for me. I did the best science I could. I was struggling to survive and didn't have the luxury of being a moral creature. I didn't have the luxury of being a moral creature. Is there a more Judas statement that you have ever heard? (laughs) The notion that being moral is one, a luxury, and two, a luxury that is based and bought by your financial means. That if you have enough money, you can be moral. But if you don't, you don't have to be a moral being. You can do what's going to serve you and not worry about the rest. We know this is not true because there are people who live in extreme poverty who make moral decisions every day because they are humans. It is not a luxury. It is not something they can afford. It is something we are called to do as God's people. I think that most of us uh, possess these sort of archetypes that we are being presented with. Mary, abundance, generosity, and Judas, cynicism, Fear, scarcity. I need some help. Aiden and Julia? Stand right there. You stand right there. You know those old, you've probably seen these in movies or cartoons or stuff where you've got like an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I feel like I've always got Mary sitting on one shoulder and Judas on the other. (laughs) Am I I the only human being here that feels this? I have both of them on my shoulders, and they're both saying, give it away, love. Keep it. Sell it. And I'm getting both constantly. And every day of my life is a choice between those two voices. Right? You don't have to be a moral person. Just take the money. Right? God poured out God's self for you. Can you do the same? Think of your life as if it's that jar full of nard. Are there ways that you can be 
abundantly generous? Are there people to whom you can show extravagant love? For me, the challenge and the purpose of the Christian life is to try to listen to Mary and to let our lives be poured out with abundance and love and generosity and to say, time to step off, Judas. (laughs)